for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. Again with the sweatpants. <laughs> you know the message you're sending out to the world with these sweatpants? You're telling the world, I give up. I can't compete in normal society. I'm miserable, so I might as well be comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, that is me. I am becoming George Costanza. I, I've been worried about becoming my father. My husband tells me I have become my father, but now I am worried I have become George Costanza because I was just at the Gateway Lounge uh, for a little lunch for their $7 lunch special, cream of chicken with biscuits and corn and great comfort food on Thanksgiving week. And uh, I, I did go there in sweatpants. Fortunately, they, they let me eat there. I felt okay, but I did feel a little bit like George Costanza. I broke one of my own basic rules of going out of the house. Welcome to Nobody's Listening Anyway. I'm John Gaskins with Matt Zimmer, who's probably eternally in his sweatpants because he's basically in lockdown at home. So we're not at the Gateway. We're in our homes again. But uh, Gateway is open. It's open on Thanksgiving, 5 to close. Uh, they will have pizza and beers on Thanksgiving. And for those of you who just aren't comfortable with going to restaurants, including Mr. Zimmer, uh, they are doing takeout, carryout orders. They're happy to do that. And when you do dine in there, uh, their servers are wearing masks. But Zim, I did break down today. I wasn't planning on going to a restaurant. I stepped out of the house with sweatpants on and ended up going into a public place in them and uh so is jerry seinfeld right am i george have i now is this official that i cannot compete in society and i have given up or are you like are, are you are you like me sometimes you just you know you're just gonna go somewhere in sweatpants uh i think it kind of depends on a few different factors like just how much of a slob you really are like if uh if you're talking sweatpants because you're like a really active athletic type of person and like you're coming from the gym or something you know then i kind of think it's it's okay if you're uh <laughs> if you're wearing sweatpants that have holes in them and they're with a hoodie that hasn't been washed in two weeks and you uh, haven't shaved in a month and yeah. just generally you can smell you coming from <laughs> 20 feet away then then i think i would be on the on jerry's side and say uh yeah you're you're well, gross i don't want to i don't want to I don't want to reveal too much of what I had going on today, but <laughs> I I had not worked out and I had not showered. So I, those two things, I think, negate themselves out. I mean, uh, I was just I was going to the Sioux Falls Canaries because we did a video today in the pro shop and I dressed as Harry's Harry Canary. And we did uh, a thing where all of our merchandise is 35 percent off for the Sioux Falls Canaries and uh, did a video for that to get drive people to go buy some birds merch, which we uh, which we I encourage you to do. It's it's cool merch. But uh, that's all I was planning on doing. And I and I, it was kind of like. Uh, late morning call in. I wasn't planning on doing that, but Duel said, "Hey, we, you know, we want to do, we want to drive some merchandise sales today, and we want to do it by noon when people are engaged on social media." Okay, well, I didn't have time to. I was going to work out, didn't have time. Put on sweatpants and sweatshirt, and figured I'm not going anywhere else besides that. And he doesn't care if I'm wearing sweatpants, you know. And uh, 
and you're not going to see my pants in the video anyway. And then I just thought, what the hell? I'm it's lunchtime. I'm hungry. I'm going to go stop by the Gateway as as I have on Mondays. And um, I, you know, the Gateway is the kind of place where it's all right to be casual. We'll put it that way. And uh, and Jackson, I asked Jackson, but I did get some. I kind of felt like I was getting a, a few, a, a couple of stares from a couple of people. You uh, weren't. Trust me, you weren't. <laughs> Why do you say I wasn't? <laughs> just trust me. No one stared at you. No one stared. <laughs> I was just being really self-conscious because for some reason that's been a, that's been a hard rule for me. Like no matter what, if I'm going out somewhere, unless it's the grocery store, the grocery store in town here in Lenox or the gas station, if I have to step in, you know, go get gas and step in and get something quick or pay for something, no big deal. But like restaurants and, you know, anywhere, stores, work, um, you know, I just don't. Where do you fall? Where do you it. fall on like like track pants? Do those count? Are those kind of in the same boat, or is that a slight step up? Well, there's so pants? many there's so many variations now, right? Like, I don't know about you, but when I was in high school, uh, it, it was exactly Seinfeld. I think set back sweatpants in public for a long time. At least you know <laughs> it had a big audience, so it, it was part of American pop culture. But like that's expired because when I was in high school, you you didn't you could not be seen. In sweatpants, you're a dork. Like it was just you, you got to wear jeans. You got to wear jeans, uh, even slacks like Dockers. No, no, just wear jeans. You're good. Uh, you won't get ridiculed for your clothing. But now, like I, I've got a 17 year old and a 21 year old, and for at least five years, like that, that's that's I don't know if you noticed this because you, you're at high school sporting events, but that's all kids wear now. They wear sweats. They wear sweats everywhere they go. And uh, and they actually make their sweatpants look kind of stylish now instead of baggy and gross. So uh, we're 20 years behind that time, I guess. I was going to say you can you can make sweatpants that are a little less a little less dorky, whether they're, you know, team themed or just, you know, like I said, for I think if you're an an athletic type of person, you can get away with it a little better. Well, and there's a middle ground now between what is sweatpants and like what is track pants. And so what's where do you come out on the track pants? Uh, I'm officially old enough and that, and, and, you know, not trying to impress anyone that I don't give a shit about anything. I will, (laughs) I will go to the store or anywhere in public looking as bad as I possibly can. I do not care. (laughs) I mean, like if I'm going like to a, like for a night out, you know, I'm going to a movie or a game or a show or something, then I wouldn't. But if I'm just going to get groceries or get gas or anything like that, like, and I don't even care if, you know depending on where I go and what, um, if it's the side of town I live in, you know, there's a good chance I'm going to see someone I know or someone who's going to recognize me and, and I don't give a shit. I will wear sweatpants. You see, I mean, you've seen me wearing a tank top and gym shorts and flip flops in public before. So, I mean, yes, I think you know where I stand. on Yes. That. Yeah. I used to be big on flip. Like when I was in my twenties. And usually, and usually if anyone is going to tell me what a piece of shit I look like, it's usually you. You're usually one of the first people who's willing to say like, <laughs> geez, you don't give a shit. Do you? And, uh, Maybe that's just because you're gay. I don't know. But, I uh... don't know. I, but but like, well, yeah, it could be. We're, we are a little more fashion forward, but I'm not. I mean, in, in that sector of the world, I, I lag behind. But oh, I don't, yeah, you're the but... most fashion illiterate gay guy I've ever known. Wow. About. Okay, now, are you are you going by the standards of gay people or just in general standards of my fashion now? Uh, probably a combination of the two. I don't think your husband would disagree with me. It's, We've discussed it before. It's pretty big. Ba- What's bad about about it. It's pretty basic. I wear jeans, I wear t-shirts, and I wear like a uh, button-down flannel or faux flannel. It's, you I know. think Gil- Gilbert told me one time that he was going to steal your Pink Floyd t-shirt 
because he didn't want you wearing it in public he did. anymore. He did. Those disappeared. Good. Yes. I had a Pink Floyd t-shirt, a Jimi Hendrix and you t-shirt. Don't even li- and you don't listen to Pink Floyd, so stop it. I do, too. I don't, like, sit there and listen to full albums. <laughs> I don't have a turntable in my basement like you. But it's. I think that was that was a bonding moment for me and Gilbert when we agreed how how shitty and ugly and stupid looking your Pink Floyd T-shirt okay. was. So I'm I'm glad he got All rid right. of it. But this was ten years ago. Like I, so I feel like I've gotten better, but still, and like you now that we're past forty, we don't give a shit uh, as much about how we look in public. So maybe we've come around to a guy we used to ridicule ten years ago about what he wore in public, including baggy track pants and that's craig maddock because i remember (laughs) (laughs) i remember craig telling me a story about how uh my former radio host on kwsn here in sioux falls that uh and he's 60 now and he was 50 then but he he told some story about going out in downtown sioux falls and again we're not minneapolis i mean this isn't rodeo drive uh sunset boulevard here but um you know, like he, he he went to a couple downtown places one night and he doesn't go out very often and he was wearing a sweatshirt and track pants or what he likes to call them swishy pants. And <laughs> uh, the bouncer at the door was you know, like he's uncomfortable because he doesn't go out and go to bars much. And uh, and so already he's kind of self, you know, as as, as self um, conscious. Is, conscious as Craig can be, which he really isn't obviously, if you ever see the way he dresses. Uh, and <laughs> or just anything else in his life. Yeah. Pretty much. And he'll be the first to not be self-conscious about that remark. Uh, he was he was denied. He was denied entrance into two different places in one night because he was wearing track pants. <laughs> well, and, you remember... Um, and, he tells uh, a, and, he, and he tells a story. Hold that thought. He tells the story as if they were the ones with the problem. Like, Because he was basically like, what is this, Minneapolis? Come on, this is Sioux Falls. You walk into places with shit on your boots. I'm like... Craig, how how about the other side of the coin? How tough is it to put on a pair of jeans? It's not that tough. But he he was insulted that he couldn't get into places with his swishy pants. That sounds like Craig. Go go ahead. What were you gonna say? He uh, remember Stu Whitney used to have an Oscar party for the Academy <laughs> oh, no. Awards. Oh boy, we're really throwing Craig under the bus now. Yeah. Well, uh, at Stu's was, house. At Stu's house, it would be kind of a black tie affair. Like Stu would wear a tux and. The ladies would yeah. get dressed up. I mean, I didn't wear a tux or a suit or anything, but, you know, I'd dress up a little bit. And uh, he kind of gave Craig this sort of casual last-minute invitation one year. Like, he was just like, oh, yeah, we're having this party. If you want to stop by, go ahead. And, yeah, Craig showed up in his, you know, dad jeans. He might have been wearing jeans, but still, you know, dad jeans, sweatshirt, KWSN baseball cap, New Balance t- or, uh, tennis shoes. And uh, <laughs> found himself in a room with a bunch of people wearing tuxedos and cocktail dresses. It was quite funny. Yes, and and but Craig would be the first to make fun of them. They're the you know they, like he, he in he, this particular case, I don't think he's wrong. Well, <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. So yeah, uh, poor Craig. We love Craig, but again, Craig wouldn't care. He's not a. He's not going to listen to this. B. He would not care if we said this about him. Um, so all right, that's where that's where we come out on sweatpants. But you know it's. Uh, you get older, you give less of a shit. Plus, uh, you know, a lot of us are spending just a lot more time at home now. We're not going out for obvious pandemic reasons. And so we're in sweatpants and sweats a lot more. So, 
that which also, which also makes this week being Thanksgiving not feel that special. Like you and I both used to go into an office a lot of the time, and so we would have to at least get out of our sweatpants, put on some jeans, and look somewhat respectable to at least go to an office. And uh, not that the bar at a radio station is very high. There are people who go there who wear sweatpants during the day, like Craig. But uh, and and now we don't. You know, we do a lot of work and stuff like this from home. Um, but it used to be like I would get really excited about a four-day weekend and Thanksgiving mainly being a, a place in a day if I'm at home or even if I was like at my grandma's house growing up or something like, yes, you know, you're going to eat a bunch. You're going to be in sweats. You're going to be a lazy piece of shit. You're going to gain a few pounds. And it kind of feels like life is now Thanksgiving a lot of the time without the huge meals for every meal. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it it felt like that back in March and April when, you know, the entire country kind of agreed to be in lockdown and we weren't all fighting with each other over all this stuff. And then we all got sick of it after a couple of months. And I was just talking about this with Jen the other day, like the summer was actually kind of normal just aside from the fact that there really weren't any sports going on, but you know, everyone kind of sort of went on with their lives a little bit. I felt like, you know, and uh, I mean, I went out to eat a couple of times, uh, went to my family's late cabin several times, had family gatherings all through the summer, played amateur baseball, went to a couple Canaries games, you know, it, it was, I wouldn't say it was like life was back to normal, so to speak, but it was kind of creeping in that direction. And now as, uh, you know, things have gotten horribly terrible and far worse than they ever were back in the spring. Now, now it's back on, at least for me and, and, and my family full lockdown. And, you know, my whole family lives here in Sioux Falls and, uh, we always have huge family gatherings for all the holidays and we canceled Thanksgiving. We're not doing it. Um, you know, my, my brothers, sisters, my dad all live here in town and we just decided it wasn't worth it. It's not, not safe, uh, largely for my parents' sake. You know, they're the ones who would potentially be the most at risk. You know, their grandkids are going to school and everyone else. It's just, you know, and that's tough because, you know, for me, Thanksgiving, for our family, Thanksgiving's a big one because we're all big football fans. We all like to eat. We like to drink. Uh, we did not make that decision lightly. So, uh, it definitely doesn't feel like a normal Thanksgiving week right now. You know, I'm not normally on the Monday of Thanksgiving week. I'd be counting down the hours to till, you know, turkey and potatoes and Thanksgiving and everything. And I think we're going to try to do something sort of like that via Zoom or something. I don't know, but it's not going to be the same. And that that sucks. Yeah, it does. And we don't even know what we're going to do. We're making the same decision. And our kids are at their mom and other stepdad's house and family, and they are not the type of people I foresee not seeing grandma and grandpa, whichever grandma and grandpas they're going to go see, which is their choice, good for them, whatever. Um, so it's going to be me and Gilbert, and, who, and I have no idea what we're going to do for food. I would encourage people, if places like the Gateway Lounge on West 41st in Sioux Falls, which has terrific food, as Matt knows, he gets the beef chislick every time. Uh, they have great pizzas there, and on Thanksgiving Day, for Thanksgiving, uh, it's open at, start, it opens starting at 5, so you can't get your early afternoon Thanksgiving food there, but from five to close, they will have pizzas, uh, both serving there if you want to go in, or takeout if you want to take out. But what Gateway or anywhere else, it's a it's a good day. Uh, I know there are a lot of local businesses in town, or I'm, I, I, there's at least a few I'm sure that could capitalize on a lot of people in both of our situations, where there's not going to be as many people, not a big uh, traditional family meal, and uh, perhaps it's a good chance to support local businesses with the takeout. 
because a lot of them I know, including the Gateway, uh, are they're not they're not doing great, Zim, for obvious reasons this year. So it's a chance to support local businesses, do something different that way. If you want to be super lazy and have good food, I thought about it, but I think we're a little bit too. And I agree, that's that's a great idea if you can do it. And I know plus those those restaurants being open and doing things like that. It's also nice for people who are alone on Thanksgiving, yes. you know, that, that don't have things to do or a place to go. You know, I can only imagine how depressing and lonely that could be at times for certain people. So that's always a nice part of it. We talked about that. Like, should we just order a pizza or get takeout or something? But I think we're going to try to try to make it as normal as possible and try to recreate everything that we normally do just to still sort of make it feel like we're honoring our family traditions. But sure. it'll be weird. And Jen and I both said, Neither of us have ever cooked a turkey ourselves before, so that could be a little bit of an adventure. So we'll see how that goes. See, we were we're gonna we're gonna give it a try. We were planning on doing the Thanksgiving food uh, portion of the podcast toward the end of your the time you and I will have together, but we will instead. I guess we're 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 in it right now. And by the way, Travis Justice, who does a Husker football podcast weekly, a very popular one, it has half a million downloads, uh, and. He's a Des Moines Sports Talk radio host, and he is the host of a Husker or a Hawkeye sound off post game show. Uh, grew up in Iowa, a Hawkeye fan, and hating the Huskers, and then worked in the Nebraska media for over 20 years. He'll be with us to describe the dynamics of those fan bases and that rivalry, which is very Iowa slanted right now. They play on Friday, Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. So we'll have Travis Justice a little bit later. Um, and speaking of depressing, Zim and I will break down why the Vikings are back to sucking again after losing to the Cowboys. But uh, to round out the Thanksgiving chat, like if it's good and if it's cooked to where it's got some juice to it and some flavor to it, great. But I, I've, I've always thought turkey, uh, I get it as a traditional Thanksgiving meal and I look forward to it. Some years my mom's turkey was good. Some years we had somebody else's turkey and it was good. But it, anything that takes a lot of uh, condiment to help it taste better, and in turkey's case, even if it's really good and you get some of the skin, like it requires gravy. I just think it's an overrated main course for any meal, especially a holiday meal. I don't as look forward to the turkey as much as you do, but maybe I've been deprived of good turkey. You're, you must be a white meat eater. Ah. That's, that's what it comes down to to me. If it's when, whenever, like, I've actually been like, there have been many fights breaking out at our family Thanksgiving because <laughs> I will take I will take all the dark meat, and if people complain, I'll be like, screw you, you should have gotten line sooner. The dark meat's <laughs> the good stuff. Yes, I'm not sharing with you. White meat is terrible. Dark meat is delicious. Yeah, well, there may have been a time. That's my stance. There may have been a time where I think that's probably what we usually did was white meat, but I've also had plenty of Thanksgiving meals with the dark meat. Obviously, that's very agreeable. The dark meat is uh, juicier and more tender and better. But there's so many people that would die by the white meat, and I'm just like, I wish you were in my family. That would mean more dark meat for me. I wouldn't have to fight with anyone. (laughs) It's crazy to me that someone thinks... It, it tastes like paper to me, essentially. You have yeah. to douse it in gravy or yes. barbecue sauce to make it edible. So what? Did, so you're big into the turkey. What about, what's your, beyond that, uh, the uh, favorite side dish? Extremely basic. Mashed potatoes, corn, that's about it. I don't okay. like stuffing. I don't like, you know, any of the weird, anything else. Yeah, that, that meal feels naked to me if I don't have stuffing. I love the stuffing. It just... I can't, that, that, to me, that's where a lot of the flavor, be, I mean, yes, again, juicy turkey, flavorful, but like the real flavor of the meal, because mashed potatoes and gravy, okay, but mashed potatoes are 
generally tasteless. Uh, you need butter and gravy on it, but stuffing, I don't know. It's, to, not, if to me, done, not if they're done right. To Someone's me, not making good potatoes at your house. All right, fine. To, to me, the stuffing is it ties it all together. When I was a kid, of course, just being a stupid kid, uh, I was all about the rolls. I couldn't stop eating rolls. That's I was obsessed with them. And I would like, oh. if there's a big basket of rolls, uh, bread and butter, that, that was me. I would own it. And uh, everybody would let me because, you know, most humans are like, One's enough, if any, but there's John over there gobbling the rolls down. All meal. If the, if the rolls are soft and the butter's melted, that's pretty good. Yeah, it is. I agree. And that's another thing that I just kind of feel like you gotta have. What about the pie? Are you pumpkin pie or no, no. pumpkin pie? No, wow. I don't do I don't do any pies really. Not a sweet sky. Oh, at all? Now, my yeah. dessert will be a Bacardi and Coke pretty much every Thanksgiving. I love pumpkin pie. Love it. And I've, I've, I've come around to pecan pie as well. I used to dread that. For some reason, I was afraid of pecans when I was a kid. But, uh, but not anymore. I'll eat, I'll eat any of it. Gilbert wants the key lime pie for Thanksgiving. He heard about some place in town that makes great key lime pies. So if that's what it's going to be, I will well, be Well, if okay all you've got to do is buy it, then go ahead. Then that, seems, <laughs> that seems pretty easy to make his yes. wish come true right. on that one. Yes, well, that, that will happen. Well, speaking of uh, wishes coming true, except they don't, is the wish that the Vikings off a three-game win streak were going to all of a sudden turn into a playoff team. They have to obviously, with what, nine games? How many games are left? Six? Four and six. Six games left. you got to win probably five of those six at least. Uh, to to make the playoffs now, but does this this does not look like a playoff team after losing to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the, the offense looked great and exactly how it's built and how you want it to look, with the exception of how not built it is and that quarterback is to win a game in the final two minutes when you're down in the fourth quarter. But I mean, the, 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 this defense is th- that was pathetic against uh, you know a mediocre at best Cowboy offensive outfit with Andy Dalton running the quarterback. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway? Yeah, I fully expected him to win that game, um, even when they were struggling to do when you know down at halftime, and I never felt like they were going to lose just because the Cowboys stink and they don't have Dak. And uh, you know, if you had told me before the game the Vikings were going to score twenty eight points. Uh, I would have said, yeah, that'll be more than enough. Um, so, yeah, I, I certainly didn't feel like it was, you know, Kirk Cousins' fault they lost or anything like that. The ending was disappointing, sure. Uh, but the defense was terrible. And uh, that was just really disappointing to see. And it's been a hot and cold defense, you know, for a variety of reasons, the injuries and some other things. And um, But, geez, you know, Harrison Smith had a crappy game. Uh, the secondary as a whole didn't have a very good game. I mean, it just was – other than that terrific interception that Eric Kendricks made early in the game, uh, they just didn't really make any plays the whole game. And uh, that was really disappointing. I don't know if, you know, I saw some people speculating on Twitter that maybe the Vikings took them for granted, that they just assumed it would be an easy win. I kind of find that tough to believe no. given that they started the season one and five. I mean, I don't feel like any team that starts one and five is in a position to start looking past teams, no matter what the circumstances are. Uh, maybe they just aren't, you know, as good as we thought. I mean, we've <laughs> this whole year we've been pretty, uh, you know, schizophrenic about the Vikings. I mean, one minute they're we're talking about tanking for the number one draft pick, and then we're saying, well, you know, maybe they can, you know, win six or seven games. Then it's like, oh, geez, you know, they got such an easy schedule, and now they're winning games. They're gonna probably get into the playoffs. They could still, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, it's starting to look like now, you know, and by the end of the year, Bill Parcells always used to say, you know, you are whatever your record says, and and by the end of the season. The Vikings are probably going to be, 
six and ten, seven and nine, eight and eight, somewhere in there. And for all that you can talk about, well, if this had happened and if this had happened and this had happened, but whatever that final record is going to be, that's pretty much going to be who they are. This looks like a team that um, is too good to go in the tank, you know, be a contender for a high draft pick, uh, but is not good enough to seriously contend for a division title and, and probably not even a wild card spot. Right. Well, they look like a four and six team. They looked exactly like a four and six team on Sunday, a team that was not good enough to a control or b even beat a two and seven team. By the way, Cowboys, uh, terrible cliche. They put their pants on, you know, they, and they, like everybody else. They played well. They played well. And they did. Yeah. They, they, they looked like, look, a lot of people thought they were going to be the NFC East champions this year. And some people had them going to the Super Bowl because they thought Mike McCarthy was going to be the magic elixir. And (laughs) yeah. And you know, the, the guy who you call what again, the, your, your nickname for him. You remember that one? I don't have a nickname. A nickname for the Mike wa- McCarthy. You, when you wrote the article about how Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback oh. of all time, <laughs> walking hamburger, the bun. walking hamburger bun, and he, by the way, he looks more like a walking hamburger bun with the mask on. <laughs> <laughs> you can see his big fat chin, uh, even kind of even more uh, highlighted there. Um, he's like he's not a bad coach. He knows a little offense, and by the way, he was like I think sixteen nine and one against the Vikings. So any in the last several years with Zimmer's defense, it's not like he didn't know Zimmer's defense and didn't know right. coming in that it had far fewer premier players that could disrupt his quarterback, disrupt his entire offense like it had in years past. No Hunter, no Griffin, uh, no no Linval. Uh, so you know Mike McCarthy kind of knew what he was doing, and it was obvious and. Uh, I will say that when you when you circle back to the four and six record in Parcells, you are who you are. Nothing in the schizophrenic season. Nothing, I think, perfectly represents personifies the twenty twenty Vikings than that fake punt attempt. Then, right. uh, then what's his name? Was it Chris? Yeah, it was Chris Boyd, I believe. Where yeah. okay, so uh, you know the season has gone as you know as follows. Like it's looking. It starts off bad. It looks horrible. It looks like dog shit. And then all of a sudden, you're starting to rally. Like, oh, my God, this could be a playoff team. And then you play the shitty Cowboys and slip on the banana peel and lose and forget about it. That play was was the, not, the Vikings were losing. And the special teams, as we know, even during the winning streak coming in with, uh, you know, Mike Zimmer blowing his gasket uh, at the special teams coach in the Bears game on Monday night. Like, it was in the real, you know, they're in the outhouse, right? And then, so the special teams have been bad. The game's not going well. I, th- I think it was like a 7-6 game at the time. But anyway, uh, here's the thing that's going to save that guy's job. And, and, it's, and it's worked to perfection. They've worked in it all week. And then Chris Boyd hyperventilates before the ball is snapped. Like, oh, my God! Do you guys see this? I'm so open! Oh, my God! I'm so open! <laughs> Look at Hey! Colquitt over here, punter, I'm open. And that was, uh, whatever, it was a false start. That's a penalty. You can't do that. And, uh, and <laughs> so, and it, and of course the play worked to perfection and got called back. Like that's the Viking season right there. Um, and, uh, and, and he also, what did he, oh, very next play. Didn't he? Very he next a, play, he got a 
blocking the back penalty for 15 yards yeah. on top of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, led to a touchdown. And then uh, and then he had one other – wasn't he responsible for one other horrible play? Oh, he almost – he almost had the interception that sealed the game as the Cowboys were driving late. Right. Um, he should have made the catch. It wasn't the easiest catch to make, but it's make a bull. So he was bad. Uh, I would pin more, and I want to get back to Cousins and that offense in a moment, even though he had a great day until the last two minutes. Uh, Chris Jones. Uh, I, 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 try, I looked it up before we started the taping here at 4 o'clock. How is he not cut? How is that guy uh, not cut uh, for... He hasn't been very good. He's one of these young cornerbacks. Mike Zimmer's trying to coach up. And he just he gives the old Olay play, the old business decision on that uh, that Dillard. What's the guy's name? Whoever had the touchdown run for Dallas 42 yards out uh, in the fourth quarter. I don't remember, but I, yeah, no play. Yeah, that was it. Well, I mean, who are you most um, upset at for that loss when it comes to the Vikings? The defense um, overalls? I think overall the defense, um, you know, in that final two minutes, I'm, you know, not blaming Justin Jefferson, but I thought it was interesting that the Vikings go four and out and everyone starts bitching at Cousins again. It's like, well, that second down pass hit Justin Jefferson right in the hands, and uh, he would have at least picked up a first down to extend the drive, maybe been able to make something out of that play. I mean, it's just one play, um, but it was a ball that Justin Jefferson absolutely has to catch. Um, and then, you know, the next two plays don't work, and you lose. And, uh, you know, those are big plays. When people talk about whether it's Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or whatever it is, you know, leading their team on these game winning drives, uh, in the final minutes, you know, generally there aren't perfect passes on, you know, it's not like that was a 40 yard pass down the field or anything. It wasn't going to put them in, in scoring position necessarily, but that could have been, you know, the one that got the drive going, it would have been a first down. Uh, you have, you guys have to make those plays, to extend drives for, for, for a quarterback to successfully direct a game tying or game winning fourth quarter drive, his receivers have to catch the passes that hit him in the hands. So that was really frustrating. The last two plays didn't work. I mean, that fourth down play, I thought it was odd that Kirk Cousins just kind of chucked it up in the air like he did, but also the pocket was kind of collapsing. And, you know, I think it's, it's, it's fair to say that the, the, the Vikings offense as a whole probably doesn't have a ton of confidence in Kirk Cousins in that situation. No. Now, again, I don't think that's totally fair to Kirk Cousins because it's not like it's totally on him. You know, it's not like you get in this situation, you go, oh, we're losing with one minute left quarterback, man, go win the game for us. I mean, that's not how, how it is. And as you saw with Justin Jefferson dropping that pass, but uh, it just, you just don't have a good feeling, you know, in a situation like that. Yeah. I mean, the NFL is such an offensive centric game now that if, any team scores to take the lead and they leave over a minute left on the clock, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is on the other side. You're always thinking to yourself, they left too much time. They scored too quick. You know, there could it, it could be Mitchell Trubisky on the other side. You're going to go, eh, minute 20, that's a lot of time. But for some reason, uh, and I, we know the reason, uh, they, it just ha- they just don't ever get it done. You don't have that feeling with the Vikings. I mean, the Cowboys score to take the lead there. You, your, your concern isn't the clock. There's what a minute thirty-seven, something like that. It was that. like a minute fifty. Yeah. Okay. So there's plenty of time. You're not thinking like, oh, you know, is there enough time? Can they do it? You're just thinking, will they make this happen? And you know, Kirk Cousins had played a great game so far, so I certainly wasn't feeling like, oh, there's no way, because uh, he was playing well. But I also wasn't feeling like, oh, too bad, Cowboys, you left too much time on the clock. No, no. Like it, there was there was none of that. I mean, it was like, well, 
let's see what happens here. And uh, the fact that they didn't get it done was disappointing as a fan, uh, but it wasn't very surprising. Uh, to, to say the least, in fact, my thought was there's no other team in the NFL, not just like we'll see what happens, but like they don't have a chance. Like this would be a miracle. This is, this sucks that they're in this position, that they have to come from behind and win. And it's actually been statistically proven. There have been 168 occurrences in the last four years of the NFL where there has been a, a fourth quarter comeback for a win. A team is behind and a fourth quarter comeback a game-winning drive. And I don't even know if this is relegated. I think this might be like down to the last two minutes over the last four years. I mean, there's a lot of NFL games, but 168 times in the last four years, final two minutes, only one time of those 168 has it been the Minnesota Vikings. And that was against Denver last year. And, yeah, and guess they... who was catching a lot of those passes in that comeback where you have to throw and Kirk Cousins have to make, make has to make the plays. There's no way you rely on Dalvin Cook. There's almost no use for him. Stephon Diggs. I mean, he's gone, and, and I think if he were in there, you have a lot more confidence. And I believe against Denver, there wasn't even Adam Thielen in that game. Like, Diggs was doing a lot of that by himself. But if you had – if you had now, again, yesterday you had Thielen and Jefferson. Jefferson is Diggs' replacement. And Jefferson made the big drop. But And people made this point to me on Twitter afterward. I said, there you go. Uh, Kirk apologists, go ahead and go ahead and give it to me again. And I understand he was literally perfect, a perfect passer rating before his last couple of drives. Now, remember, they didn't do shit with five minutes left either. The Vikings are terrible both at the two minute drive to win when they're behind. They never they almost never do it. Uh, and they're, they're not great when they're up. And there's, you know, there's seven or fewer minutes in the game. And just get some first downs and take some time off the clock. It's, it always comes down to Zimmer's defense either making the play or not. We talked about this last week. And that's pathetic. That's too bad. Um, and it's, it's, it's A, part on Kirk Cousins' own limitations. And B, because this is the way defensive-minded Mike Zimmer wants to construct an offense like it's 1985. Have a running back-centric play-action-centric, don't ask the quarterback to do too much because a defensive hard nose like Zimmer doesn't really love quarterbacks anyway. He thinks they're, they're just born to fuck everything up. And, uh, and, and Cousins has proven to do that when you have to rely on him. And so what do you have? You have a brilliant game until the moment it's on Kirk's shoulders and there's no use for the true centerpiece in Dalvin Cook. And the fact that Kirk's incapable of, of doing that and I'm not going to break down why he is or why he isn't. It just doesn't happen. Sure, there was that pass to Justin Jefferson. Would they have still danced down the field and even gotten into field goal range? A lot better chance if he makes that catch. But there are three others there. You had three other chances to get 10 yards, and nobody makes it look harder to get 10 yards when there's two minutes left in a game where there's been so many occurrences in the NFL, an offensive-centric lead that helps the quarterbacks and receivers, and yet... It's like impossible for Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings to do this. So I think it is somewhat on Kirk, more on just the way the Vikings are built. Um, but he's not, he's not totally excused from this. I don't care how great of a game he had before that point. And you're, just not, you're never going to be a Super Bowl team if that's the way you're built in the NFL. Uh, Aaron Rodgers at least led the Packers down for a game-tying field goal late against the Colts. They lost the game, uh, and you know they have their own issues. You know, of course, Patrick Mahomes is your grade A example, and no one expects anybody else to be Patrick Mahomes. But, of course, he just does the winning touchdown drive, minute and a half, easy, like it's nothing. Um, it's great to be a Chiefs fan. But it's just uh, it, it, the, the NFL, as we know, is a league where a lot of games come down to one or fewer possessions, Zim. Vikings have lost three, I, I believe, by three or less now. 
And it's just it's just too bad. You can win some games. You can even win a playoff game in New Orleans like they did last year. Just by ground, pound, keep it close, don't make mistakes, quarterback, game manager, but uh, the occasional big pass play. But um, they're just it, – it, it's, it's an extreme limitation. Well, I think it's telling that, uh, you know, Mike Zimmer was not critical of Kirk Cousins after the game. I mean, he, he shouldn't be because he threw for 300 yards and three touchdowns and they scored 28 points. And again, if Justin Jefferson catches that pass, maybe things turn out differently. But I think also a reason that Mike Zimmer is not going to be critical in that situation is, let's face it, it's kind of his fault. And yes. what I mean what I mean by that is he's the one who set this team up to win a certain way. Yeah. And what that is is running running game and defense. You're not trying to win shootouts. Well, if 28 points isn't enough for your running dominated offense and your quarterback who's having let's face who's having his best game of the season then it's on your defense the defense gave up 38 points now would it have been nice 31 points would it have been nice obviously if Kirk Cousins had saved their bacon and let him down to score and they win the game 35 31 of course uh, but that's literally not what this team is built to do so you can be upset that Kirk Cousins didn't let him lead him down to score you can say this is why Kirk Cousins isn't worth the money he's this that and the other and you're not necessarily wrong but this team is built to win with running game, the running game and the defense to not ask Kirk Cousins to do that. They scored 28 points. He did his job. Mike Zimmer's defense did not, and that's why they lost. Yeah. And I'll just repeat, in 1985, 1995 even, you could potentially win a Super Bowl with that being your formula. Not now. And uh, so that's just where the Vikings are at. Uh, we, we have a few more minutes. We'll get to Travis Justice. We'll talk Huskers and Hawkeyes and uh, the very bizarre newfound hatred between those two fan bases, of which, of course, are strong in the Sioux Empire, both of them. Uh, and I want to get your take uh, before we head out the, the Zim portion of this podcast on that. But uh, big local news. Uh, last week, we uh, took the week off. Oh, no, wait, we didn't. We just <laughs> screwed up the recording. We talked about how... Uh, you know, with the pandemic and with the skyrocketing out of control COVID case numbers here in South Dakota, that it's just been, uh, I don't want to go so far as to say shitstorm for the folks, uh, because the people that are trying to put on this crossover classic, the bad boy mowers over at the Pentagon, I mean, good for them for, again, putting on and finding a way to produce a premier event. But I mean, it's, do we, are, how many original teams that were going to play in that are there now and there's also news today about what they're going to do about fans only three of the original eight are wow. still in it yeah. and they announced today that because the whole thing was going to be we're bringing these major d1 teams here an event like we've never had in sioux falls you know ohio state texas a&m you know big name schools uh they're all gone and now they're not they announced today they're not allowing fans they will be refunding uh, the money for anyone who bought tickets. And I don't know, I never got a hard number on how many tickets there were going to be. It was definitely going to be a limited number. They were, from what I understand, nobody nobody was going to be allowed to sit in the lower bowl, essentially, of the Pentagon, which is almost all the seats. So I, I don't know exactly how that was going to work out. Um, but now there's not going to be any. And it's not a surprise to anyone. I don't think anyone's upset about it. Or, or like you said, it's certainly not the fault any of this of the people at the Pentagon, they're just doing the best they can with what they've got to work with. And what they've got to work with right now is a state that is the epicenter of COVID in this country, if not in the world, Mm -hmm. you know, there's only so much they can do. And I think most of us, frankly, 
are amazed that that they're even still going to be able to do this. That they that they haven't canceled it. I think we all just assumed that we were working our way towards an eventual cancel as cancellation. Well, it's it's my understanding that the teams all were traveling to Sioux Falls today. It's going to happen. We're going to have this thing, but it's only three of the original eight teams. It's a much more watered down field, and there's not going to be any fans there. I we don't need to do a commentary on how we're all going to have to blame just the human beings in South Dakota that's part of that's part of this mess and and, and the negligent ones uh, who refuse to wear masks or acknowledge that this is a serious thing in 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 the places where some of these teams are coming from as well some of them are coming from hotbeds or not good places to come from so it's just sad I mean what else can you say about this and by the way Nebraska's trying to do the same thing in Lincoln over the Thanksgiving weekend so I think it's Golden Window or something like that as the sponsor uh, they're trying to get teams and they're trying to create a bubble around Pinnacle Bank Arena with the hotels close downtown and to do something similar and uh I don't know the specific backstory at this point. It's kind of like the bad boy mores. It's just, it's just hard to keep track of day to day, week to week. But like the, some of the original teams that were going to play have backed out and now they're getting desperate. Uh, they were, I know North Dakota state has all of a sudden been a last minute addition and uh, Shadron state out of like little Shadron state out in Western Nebraska panhandle. I, I don't know if they're NAIA or Division Two. They're one of those. They're two. D two. They're D two. Thank you. Uh, you know that's what Nebraska has had to resort to now because uh, they can't find teams that want to come to Nebraska, which isn't doing as bad, like I guess per one thousand, as South Dakota, but it's it's not it's not pretty there either. So that's and who knows what's going to happen with this college basketball season in general. We do know uh, that uh, you know the Jackrabbits and Yotes and Summit League schedules and down Northern Sun schedules for Augie and USF are out which is great news. Uh, looks like the Northern Sun is following the same model as the Summit as far as how they're going to go about it week to week. Is that correct? Yeah, they're doing the uh, back-to-back nights or, or both both matchups between each team being at the same site yeah. to try and limit travel and exposure, which will be interesting. It'll be fun. I mean, the NCC or NSIC, like the NCC, has always done the back-to-back nights thing. Now this is going to be the that common opponent back-to-back nights. Yeah. Summit League. That, that'll be that'll be kind of fun to watch to see how that goes and how teams adjust to playing on Friday night and then you know whatever happens coming back the very next night and playing again. That'll be weird, interesting, but also kind of fun. Um, but yeah, I think at this point we're all just kind of crossing our fingers that we even get to the season for yeah. starters, and then if we, assuming we get there, it's you know two days from now. How many games are we going to get in? Are we going to be able to get to the end? Will we make it to through the season? Will there be – I mean, obviously I think we understand at this point the NCAA is going to have its NCAA tournament come hell or high water. Uh, they're, they're going to put it in a bubble all in one location. Do you, do you remember where they said it was going to be? Was it? I, the, the last I heard they were trying Indianapolis, which is where the headquarters yeah, are. Yeah, that sounds right, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, they can't go two years in a row without that revenue, the TV revenue. They're going to have that tournament no matter which, what. Which, by the way, filters on end to everybody, including South right, Dakota, right, South Dakota State, right, Augie, and USF, right. yeah. Yeah, I don't care how bad things they're going to get, they're going to have it. And they probably should, just because college sports are going to die a slow death if, if this lasts much longer. Yeah. Um, but, our, you know, they've already taken away fans for this crossover classic uh, later on, there's supposed to be another MTE at the Pentagon between all the Dakota schools. Tickets were supposed to go on sale for that event today. They did not. I would guess eventually they're going to say, yeah, no fans for that thing either. The big question for me now is, because they haven't made an announcement yet, South Dakota State, USD, and later Augie and USF, 
NSI schools, whatever, are they going to allow any fans in their arenas for basketball games? And I'll be kind of surprised if they do. Mm. Yeah, I would too. Uh, by the way, Coyote fans are kind of, uh, if not bitching, just kind of, hey, look at this. What do you know? Uh, in every sport, the Jackrabbits get the home game against the Coyotes. Hmm, interesting. Uh, uh, uh. I'm sure you read or saw a little bit of that. I mean, um, well, okay. that's because uh, the schedule makers are just like the media. They hate USD and our big SDSU homers. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, just like Nebraska fans think the world is out to get them. Um, any, any big takeaways from Jackrabbit media day? Was it basketball media day, men's and women's? Is that what you had today? I assume, yep. zo- I assume over zoom. Yep. Just a lot of, I mean, we all kind of know where everyone's at. There, there weren't any big revelations, you know, basketball wise, the men, you know, have everybody back after you know winning the regular season title last year Doug Wilson's back Noah Friedel's back they they should be very very good they should win the conference comfortably if they're able to stay healthy the women you know Maya Selland is back and healthy that's kind of the big storyline for them but even with the graduations that USD has i think they're a pretty clear cut favorite so they're going to be you know looking up at the coyotes again this year uh, if you've seen the non conference schedules that they've put together both teams are going to put themselves in position to get to the NCAA tournament, they, they could very easily be a two-bid league again on the women's side. Uh, but other than that, the big takeaway was just, you know, the situation that we're in, the fact that we were doing this media day via Zoom. I was on my kitchen table interviewing Eric Henderson and Maya Selland and all these people, and that's different. It's weird, and everyone's trying to make the best of it. And, you know, they talked a lot about, you know, this, we're supposed to be a month into the season already, you know, and uh, <laughs> their off-season – ended up, especially when you consider that there was no NCAA tournament, no NIT, no, no postseason of any kind. Um, they've basically been in the off season since the middle of March. Mm. That's a long, long time. And you can tell that they're sick of practicing and sick of time off. They want to play basketball and uh, it's going to be weird for everybody. And it's especially going to be, you know, one thing I asked about, and I think it was Tyler Irwin who talked about it was just how you have to kind of remind yourself that you're not just trying to, to stay safe and get the games in like that's what everyone's focused on like we just want to play you know because of covid and everything this these shutdowns you're just trying to do everything you can to safely have the games period and then you have to remind yourself these kids do that oh yeah and we're also competing for something you know we're we're not just trying to stay safe and make sure we can have these games to have a season you're also playing for a championship trying to win and uh, when you factor in all the stuff these kids have gone through, what they've potentially lost, you know, how many of them are probably going to end up having to give up a year of eligibility. Uh, it's just a really, really tough situation for all these high school and college kids who have had the most important stage in their lives interrupted and in some cases really over up, upheaved, for lack of a better word. Yeah. And uh, it, it was just kind of a bittersweet and how every single person on there, you know, was smiling, laughing, happy, and, and, you know, saying, hey, I'm just so grateful we can get to play. And it was just such a, a weird juxtaposition to me that they were all putting a, a positive spin on something that has not been positive at all. Yeah. Well, that's 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 the job of those that uh, are in charge of, you know, sports publicity over there, and they're just doing their job. So I would agree with you. I'm not quite sure that sentiment is necessarily – genuine but it's it's a good sentiment and mentality to have uh going into the season what else what else are you gonna do you know it's like alex trebek when uh you know after he announced he had the stage four pancreatic cancer and was joking about how 
he didn't have uh, he didn't have stage one or stage two. Not the wussy cancer. No, you got the big boy cancer. <laughs> and uh, this was in an interview with Jane Polly of CBS, and she said, and she started laughing, and she said, "I can't believe we're laughing about this." And Alex Trebek said, "Well, what else are we going to do? What else am I going to do?" Yeah. yeah. By the way, uh, were you a big Jeopardy guy? We didn't get to that last week. Were you sad? I mean, I was sad about Trebek, but I wasn't a big Jeopardy watcher. And uh, the the thing I loved it most about him was the. The whole lampoon that Will Ferrell did with uh, him and you know Sean Connery on those Saturday Night Live skits. You're big on Will Ferrell's impersonations, aren't you? Uh, I just thought that th- that's what I think of when I think of Alex Trebek. I think of those skits. It's not so much Will Ferrell, but uh, he was the one that happened to do Trebek. And Harry Canary. <laughs> yes, I understand that. Yes, F- fits in with what I do. And anyway. Uh, were you a big Jeopardy guy? Were you like, because the world, the world was clearly sad to see Alex Trebek go. And I'm not saying I, I was too. I enjoyed him in his interviews because he just kind of seemed, you know, he had that half hour confinement every day. He's like in your living room every day, but you didn't know him. He was just kind of the prissy announcer who took things very seriously in this very serious quiz show for smart people. And when I like that line about his cancer with Jane Pauley and other things I've seen, I've seen snippets of his interview with Howard Stern from a few years ago. Turns out he's uh, clearly not surprisingly bright and intelligent, but also funny um, and and introspective. And uh, so I, I, I enjoyed those things about Trebek, but I was never a big Jeopardy person, nor did I think uh, it was hard for me to be endeared to Alex Trebek on that show. He was, you know, very uptight on that thing. I never thought of him as uptight, but I didn't watch Jeopardy regularly either. I just, I think of it in terms of it's so obvious that this country is getting stupider and stupider and stupider (laughs) with each generation. Yes. And we're at a point now where being intelligent is considered like elitist and, uh, you know, fair, almost looked down upon and, there was this show that, you know, encouraged being smart and studying yes. and knowing things. Yes. And that was a good thing. And it, it, it seems almost appropriate that the person who was the face of that show is now gone as this country mm. moves further, further into its status as the dumbest people mm. that have ever lived. Mm. Wow. Uh, by one last one last question. And that uh, it's speaking about the down spiral of society. Uh, you you're uh we, we've did that we've actually done this so far in one of our 10 podcast episodes but the huskers and the hawkeyes are playing on saturday we're going to talk largely about this with a guy who deeply knows both fan bases living near the border his whole life travis justice uh how would you depict uh, from those of you know in the sioux empire of which there are large groups both ways uh of nebraska and iowa fans um <laughs> not a big fan of either of them i suppose but nebraska fans have been the ones always that I think have annoyed me the most just because um, they for the are still hanging on to 1994-95 and as obnoxious as they were then at least they were you know they they had a legitimate reason to think of themselves the way they did uh, they were obviously a, a tremendous program in the 90s and they had been for a long time it wasn't new in 1994-95 that stretch when they won those two national championships and was so dominant, but it's been almost, you know, what, 30 years now. And they they are still acting like, you know, this getting back to those glory days is just around the corner. And how how come this isn't happening? And, Oh, this is going to be the guy. And this is going to be the guy. And, you know, being angry at the media for how they treated or, you know, the whole trying to save the big 10 this year. And I mean, it's just a, a very, 
always been to me a very detached from reality sort of fan base. It, they've been easy to root against. And uh, I, I, I tweeted I, on, on Saturday when they were losing, I was like, it bums me out how many of South Dakota's best high school players keep going there. And that's something that I've been thinking about long before they got their ass kicked again by Illinois on Saturday. Yeah. Like every time South Dakota has this big stud athlete coming up that it's obvious he's got major D1 potential. And I feel bad saying this because I, I, I'm not trying to, to pick on any of the local kids who are about to go there. Like what an opportunity it is to play sports at the University of Nebraska. I'm not yeah. ignorant to that. Like that's an amazing opportunity. Yeah, the good news and, is when, if, they, when if, they let fans in there. John, shut up. I'm talking. And if there's, you know, if they're the only major Division One school that's offering you, of course you should go there. Um, but, you know, from Chase Mason to Jacob Hupnocker to Randolph Kapai, all these guys, you know, Iowa's in there, Minnesota's in there. Hell, NDSU wins a national championship every year. Like, I'm always hoping that they're going to choose someone else because they keep going to Nebraska and not having any success, dealing with all this bullshit, coaching changes. Uh, controversy, you know, you know, fans up in arms about how everyone's failing and what's wrong with this program and when are the glory days going to come back? And it, it's just always negative and always this false hope. I would just much rather see them go somewhere else. And I'm, it, and like I said, I wish them the best. And I understand that being able to play at Nebraska is an awesome thing. But I am hoping that the next big D1 prospect to come out of South Dakota goes somewhere else. <laughs> well, at least Seth Benson went to Iowa. So there you right. go. Brock Walker went to Minnesota to play for the Gophers. And eh, he's a walk-on. Well, sure. But um, but so Iowa, your impression, why don't you like, you said you don't, you don't necessarily care for Iowa fans either. Why is that? Because I don't like Iowa. Like the state of Iowa, not just the football <laughs> program. <laughs> what did Iowa ever do to you? What do you like about Iowa? Are you trying to get me in trouble? I'm not going to say anything more than no, that. No, I'm curious. Yeah. I'm just, okay, fine. Ter- terrible drivers. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> that that was uh, that was a common joke. When I was like eight, that was the joke. Why do, and Iowa used to have these basic blue license plates. Uh, Sioux City's uh, speed trap cameras. That's enough reason to There you go. Stage. Yes, the joke was, why, 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 do, why do all Iowans have blue license plates? Because they all failed their driving test. The joke makes yeah. no sense, but that was clearly a, a common uh, sentiment shared across the Nebraska and South Dakota borders. Matt, thank you very much. Happy Thanksgiving, and we'll talk next week. Sounds good, John. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. Does he know how drinks? Yes. Well, with the everything else, or it feels like everything else, just not quite the same and out of whack for Thanksgiving. A lot of people not doing the same things. And as Matt Zuer and I talked about, not even eating the same things, at least here in this part of the country we have the comfort food the day after thanksgiving that will look all too familiar nebraska and iowa on black friday a tradition unlike any other except for nebraska and oklahoma on black friday and nebraska colorado on black friday but for the last 10 years huskers and hawkeyes on black friday and this year again Contrary to most of our world as we know it, very similar. The teams coming into this game, even though they started their season late, Iowa is boring, but in a good way and solid. Three and two. Nebraska is compelling, much more compelling than Iowa, but in a shit show sort of way. They are terrible, and the Hawkeyes are a big favorite, and they've won the last five in a row and six out of seven, and nobody's more qualified to talk about these two teams, or at least 
the fan bases of the two teams and the dynamics of these two schools and states. Then Travis Justice. He was on TV in Omaha for 16 years. He's been a morning show host in Des Moines for 10, a post-game show host for Hawkeye Radio for seven, and a Husker podcaster for the last six years the most popular husker podcast there is the husker doc talk podcast he is travis justice a native western iowan who had to grow up putting up with the huskers and their fans and omaha tv stations isn't that right you've got a very i mean this goes back to probably since you can remember from the day you were born oh, the, the well, yeah, that's a good way to look at it and, and the weird thing was being an iowan who worked in nebraska television for 16 years uh, i was always the confused one right and when i took over when i started at kptm fox 42 before i moved over to the cbs affiliate for the latter part of my career you know i was going to be the guy i was going to be the iowan that came in and changed the way nebraska did television and by god you know iowa state and iowa we're going to get equal coverage on omaha television and then it takes you about Oh, a day to figure out, well, yeah, that's not my market, and I really need to cater and pander to uh, the, the, the masses, and, and that was Nebraska, and, and therefore everybody looked at me like, you've abandoned us. I said, no, I just, I like keeping my job, thank you. So, uh, I, you know, and I was a schmuck back then, so I, you know, I was young, so I'm like, I'm just doing what the bosses tell me. Now, you know, I, I, I get it, I understand it, but uh, yeah, I grew up, it was hard, you know, because the truth is in western Iowa, and this is natural because if you were over to eastern half of the state, you would have Wisconsin fans up by Dubuque. You would have Illinois fans over in the Quad Cities. Um, so you, because there's that crossover, right? A lot of my friends grew up Husker fans because when you're that close, you know, 30 miles from the border, you you you, you do that. I was, you know, I was probably an anomaly. I grew up an Iowa fan, and uh, uh, and that carried over. The funny thing is, though, I can't I can't hide from my listeners in Des Moines who know that I live in Omaha, but I host a show in Des Moines. I actually drive to Des Moines physically on Saturdays and they think because I live in Omaha, I am automatically a Husker fan. And, and you know how you put John in like a YouTube video or even like a, a news story, they see the headline and people make an assumption. Well, they hear that I live in Omaha, so they just automatically assume I'm a Nebraska fan. Yeah. They see, they, 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 they see that I host the Husker doc talk podcast and they right away say, well, you host, you host a Husker podcast, therefore you're a Husker fan. I'm like, well, then you've never listened to the podcast. Because if you if you clearly listen to the podcast, you know that I'm an Iowa fan. And don't you think it's kind of ironic that – I don't know if it's ironic is the right word, but, I mean, I, I'm i probably one of the few guys could, that could host a team-specific podcast – and say, I'm not a fan of your team, I'm a fan of your of your rival, and, and get away with it. <laughs> right. Well, it helps that you have a very popular former Husker and a member of a national championship team on your podcast with you, and Dr. <laughs> Dr. Rob, the namesake of the Husker Doc Talk podcast. But, yeah, sure. it, it, and and I also have a lot of former Huskers from that era that are like friends of mine who yeah. who have my back where, where they're like, hey, Trav's a good dude, right? I mean, I, mean, I don't think I'm – I'm not a hater by any means. I, I say when things are good, I say things when are bad. Like right now, our latest podcast is on identity. Truth is, Nebraska doesn't have an identity. Iowa has an identity. Whether you like it or not, that's one thing. But when when you play Iowa, you know what you're going to get, good, bad, or ugly. Right now, you play Nebraska, you have no idea what the hell's going on. And that's, Nothing. And that's been their identity for about six or seven years now, going back to the latter stages of Bo Pelini, the entire Mike Riley era, all three years under Scott Frost. Uh, is It's a rudderless ship, as you've called it on your podcast, and others have 
called it, which is exactly what it is. The only thing you know you're going to get is uh, inconsistency, but the consistent thing is turnovers, penalties, and just shit you can't do to win football games. Uh, and I do want to get into, carve open the vein of the nature of Husker fans and Hawkeye fans, as I do with you every year. We did it all the time on my show in Sioux Falls and in Lincoln when I was there. We're on the Nebraska-Iowa border. That's a fun part here. But since you brought it up, let's do it. What the fuck is wrong with Nebraska? Why is Scott Frost 10 and 18 and losing to Illinois, getting blown out by shitty Illinois? Um, I mean, it's uh, I, I sound kind of like a an ordained, uh, spoiled Husker fan when I say it that way. But come on, e- e- even people who despise Nebraska and the way we live in the '90s can can understand our extreme infuriation about about this where they well, are it's right because now. well this is what happens when you put people on a pedestal right you right away and this happened right when he was tired right and and i like scott personally i've known scott for uh, a while we haven't talked in a long time but uh him and i did a couple speaking gigs together back in 97 98 when he when he graduated but at the end of the day when you put somebody on a pedestal and you have un- and you you create a reality in your mind that's what's going to happen if you don't live up to those expectations you're it's an automatic letdown that that's a dangerous thing to do right and and people feel they've been betrayed let down and they thought he would be more organized than this listen the truth is he had two years of head coaching experience not saying that that's 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 good or bad one way or another my problem is this and i don't know if it tells you why they're good or bad or or why they haven't been consistent there's a reason Florida said, Hey Scott, we want you to be our head coach, but you can't bring all your assistant coaches. When Nebraska said, bring whoever you want. And he brought everybody from central Florida. I got a problem with that because it's blind loyalty, right? I know you want to surround yourself with people you like, but the truth is there are going to be people and coaches who cap, right? So just because you made it in the American athletic conference, doesn't mean you're going to have the will to succeed in the big 10 conference. It's a complete, it's an apples to oranges comparison. And, you know, one of the big mistakes Scott said, and I, I like the confidence, but he's like, Hey, big 10 defenses are going to have to adjust their, their style to, to me, not the other way around. Well, that offense ain't done crap, man. In three years. And that's impressed me to go, you know what? Uh, no Big Ten defense is adjusting to you. They're they're beating you, yeah. and, and 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 you know maybe it's again growing up in Western Iowa where I had to listen to all Nebraska fans say the Big Eight and the Big Twelve was so much superior than the Big Ten. I think Nebraska fans need to start getting a much better appreciation for what this league is. It's a ball buster, man. It is a ball buster. And you just don't get to walk in and do your thing. You've got to earn it. And right now, Nebraska has to earn it. You know, when Iowa beat Penn State over the weekend, and if I'm getting long-winded, just tell me to shut no, the fuck up. It'll be good. Yeah. You know, you know, Iowa fans were excited. to snap a six-game losing streak to, to the Nittany Lions. First win since 2010. Yeah. They were excited, but yet Penn State's 0-5. And I said this on sound off. I said, you know, the, the thing why people are still excited about this, even because they beat an 0-5 team, is because you beat Penn State. Well, it still has that cred. I go, the thing about Nebraska doesn't have that cred anymore. You know, from I, I don't know when it lost the cred. Was it 2008? I mean, because even when they were bad into those early Callahan years, still beating Nebraska was a pretty big deal for, for, for teams because they beat Nebraska for all those years of getting just beat the shit out of and, mm-hmm. and, and it, was a, it was a badge of honor. Now, if, if you beat Nebraska, it's really not that big of a deal. It's, it's oh, you beat Purdue. 
Oh, you beat Illinois. Yeah. Oh, you beat you beat Minnesota. Nobody really cares. Right. Well, Lovey Smith's twenty games under five hundred. He was on the stri- straight on the hot seat. Um, Minnesota blew them out. Now they had like their four string quarterback and half their team down, whatever. But like talent wise, I've been saying this for four or five years, uh, and I hear people who know how to uh, evaluate talent. Like Nebraska's not that much better, especially up front, than the Illinois, Purdue's, uh, Indiana's of the world. And c- true to Big Ten form, as you have said, which has seemed to be since the beginning of time, that you're just going to have a lot of slugfests and closer games than you should. And uh, Husker fans are we're not used to that coming out of the 90s and when you ask where did it all go wrong it's just all kind of a blur and it's just all kind of continued to sail further out to sea and so when I read things like Dirk Chantlin writing a column as Dirk often does and I I, I love Dirk I, I I just hate the topic I used to love the topic but I hate it now is this the worst loss Nebraska's ever had is this rock bottom I don't know. There have been so many fucking rock bottoms. You know, it's like they got Texas Tech scored 60 points. Like, I don't know what it was, 49 points on them in 12 minutes once in 2004. That, that, That felt pretty bad. And I understand, well, rate the the awfulness of the opponent and how bad the loss was and how much Nebraska was favored. You can do that mathematic equation, but we've just had a lot of these face palm depressing losses over and over again all the time. And, and I get a little numb to them, but it's still no less frustrating because yes, I am in the gilded class that enjoyed national championships. And, uh, and I, I'm not, one to think that they're going to ever win a national championship again. Uh, teams like Purdue come. Uh, in, teams like Purdue in 2000 come out of nowhere and go to the Rose Bowl. Like that, Oregon was super perennially horrible until they started spending money and they've they've had one national championship game appearance. You know, like, but um, there there's still it, 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 it still hurts. It still really hurts, and it but it just kind of continues to go, I don't get that disgusted or like, this is the worst ever anymore. It's been really bad for a while now. Well, yeah, I, I'm going to let you know, it's, uh, you know, I, being a, a non-Husker fan, it's easier for me to do that. But even I think I, I said this the other day, and I think you might have an appreciation for this. And I, there's going to be a lot of sports fans who hate me for this. And because I've never really admitted this publicly. And I, we were talking in, in sound off as we were getting ready for the game. And uh, my producer, Sean Roberts, who you have an affection for, but just because he's, he's so funny. I mean, he really is funny, right? And I, I had him convinced, I had him convinced on Saturday night during the show that the lead singer for Pink Floyd was Pink Floyd <laughs> and, and he bought it, but we were just talking about, you know, how we progressed over our, uh, over our careers you know and he goes how did you get just so comfortable where you just didn't you know like you know you are the way are you are in the air because i i people hear me now and i'm I'm like this you you listen to my morning show it's not it's not a traditional sports morning show right i mean it's very a lot of people i know that a lot of people are jealous because i get to do the show that i do i'm not really um you know i'm not forced to do sports all the time and i said I i started getting good when i stopped caring I said, I don't give a shit who wins or loses. I don't give a fuck anymore. I just don't care. I don't. I don't. I don't stay up at night watching games till you know watching it. I just don't care. Yeah. And I said that that doesn't mean I don't want to do a good show. I just want to be entertaining. I want to be informed, and I want to have good conversation with people. But I'm not going to sit there. I'm not an X's and O's guy. I'm not going to sit there, and 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 worry about you know a, a, a nickel set or, or or stuff like this i'm just i don't have time for that right so you're still in that fandom mode you still get fired up and i think some of these writers do too and sooner or later you just go fuck it i, I just don't care 
right? I mean, I, I'm going to go spend time with my kids. I'm going to see my wife, and I'm yes. going to be happy. I'm going to sure. do a great show, you know? So uh, It doesn't take as long for me to get over them as I used to. I mean, that's, yeah. I, I just I, it, it's almost like having done post-game shows uh, and, and covering post-game press conferences when I lived there of this terrible loss and that stupid loss and Bo, yeah. Bo did this and Bo did that. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's, it's just now kind of entertaining because Nebraska remains to be somewhat entertaining. I, I think, uh, and it goes back to me now living up here in, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where it gained. This area, from what I've been told, gained a ton of Husker fans, 70s, 80s, and 90s, naturally. They're a top 10 team every year. Uh, and things in the last 20 years, it, it appears, has dropped off. And I, there appears to be more Hawkeye fans here and certainly Gopher fans with PJ. And even before that, you know, Jerry Kill, Glenn Mason, they were doing all right. There's a little more excitement. But yeah. th- th- but there's one thing that's for sure. It's hard to tell the, the, the pieces of the pie. We're, on the, we're near the border of all of them. Is that boy? Do people the people that hate the Huskers hate the Huskers, and they love more so than hates a big word. They love, and I think Hawkeye fans, you can tell me, enjoy this too. They love it when Nebraska loses. They love it when Nebraska gets well, pounded further and further uh, and further uh, into uh, the uh, ground. Uh, I, if it, you're of a certain it, age, it's interesting. Iowa doesn't. Iowa doesn't care that much about Nebraska. I know that people are going to have a hard time believing, this, <laughs> but this is the way I really see it. Iowa wouldn't care about Nebraska if they just didn't live in the 90s all the time, right? I mean, yeah. every time, well, do you remember here? I, I think that's what the narrative people get sick and tired of hearing is like, you got to stop living, you know, 23, 24 years ago because those days are over, my friend. And if that's all you got to hang your hat on, well, there's not much bragging there. Now, I, the rivalry's picking up, which I think is healthy. And you mentioned the Black Friday game. You know, this was supposed to be a non-Black Friday year because that dipshit Sean Eichhorst decided that Iowa and Nebraska didn't need to be playing on yeah. on Black Friday and they should mix it up. To me, this is a natural Black Friday game. This is what it should – the season goes back to normal. It's a border war. I think it's a, it's a healthy rivalry. I, I just think this is the game that needs to be played. I know some people will think, well, Wisconsin. I got news for you. Uh, you. You can't force it. You know, and I think this one has been natural, and I like it. I'm glad that it got moved to to Black Friday, and it was arranged for that. And I, and I know next year will not be a Black Friday game, but after that, I hope it continues and they move it back because it makes more sense to me as a college football fan. Nebraska Iowa and Black Friday is that of Nebraska Colorado, Nebraska Oklahoma. Now people are going, whoa, Oklahoma. Okay, maybe not there yet, but you know what I mean. That makes more sense than Nebraska Wisconsin, Nebraska Minnesota. Well, what what, uh, what defines it in your mind? Because because you, we hate the Freedom Trophy. Everybody everybody hates that. It's the made it's up the trophy. Heroes Trophy. The, it's oh, the sorry, Heroes Trophy. Freedom Trophy. It, well, it, it's the it's the corporately paid trophy by Hy-Vee, right. right? We all and, I mean, and anybody who's anybody everybody hates that except for the people in those corporations. So, uh, and and at the beginning of it when it started, hey, okay, we're in the Big Ten now. Nebraska. Oh, I said we. Nebraska's in the Big Ten now. They're playing Iowa. Makes sense. That's the closest thing we have to I said we again it's the closest thing Nebraska has to a border rival so here we go it's going to replace Oklahoma and Colorado it's it's all we got okay but but, but people keep saying Travis this has to this has to blossom organically rivalries just don't happen well, and I agree with that I, you've liked what's winning, happened I, I think winning five out of six for Iowa is a pretty darn good deal and it's getting it's pissing off Nebraska fans and it's making Iowa fans gloat which makes it 
happen organically, right? There you go. You know, most people don't give a shit about the, the Heroes Trophy. They don't. They, I mean, they give a sh- they, they know what you're playing for. But I think the, the, the fans going back and forth, Iowa winning uh, the way they've won um, has, has rubbed Nebraska fans the wrong way, and they're starting to hate them. I, I, listen, I think Iowa's a better team than Nebraska. I do. This year, they have more talent. Skill, position, offensive line, you name it, they're better. But would it surprise me if Nebraska came in and played a great game? No. Which, you know what, John, would even add to the rivalry even more. Let's say Nebraska won. I think it would make it even a better rivalry because then you're like, wow, shit, here we go again, right? Iowa's got to – the tide has turned again. Now, I want Iowa to win, and I hope they do win. But I'm just saying, I, I expect anything to happen when these two teams get together. But I don't understand why Nebraska players are growing mustaches for this game. If that's the best you got is to grow mustaches for this game, uh, you are uh, you're falling short. You, you, if that's your motivation, well, let's grow a mustache. Yeah. Okay. Look like a porn star. Great. That, that looks. That's that's good. Well, and th- this just goes along with some of the things that have faded as Nebraska fades further away from relevance. Uh, yes. Both from fr- both further away from its past greatness and just further away from becoming great, if ever again, is shit like that. I cannot hop on just the continued entertainment aspect of Husker football. That maybe it's that's since there is no on the field winning, we got to do off the field the hype videos and everybody does them. But stuff like that, oh, it's the mustache, isn't that cute? And last year it was like the mullets of some of the players. And but I don't see Iowa doing a, a lot of that kind of stuff. The the recruiting infatuation, winning recruiting wars, the online uh, things. Hey, Nebraska's in this online poll of who's the is 95 Nebraska, 71 Nebraska versus 01 Miami. Who's the best ever? Vote Husker fans, we're you know this everything other than you know the, the football team's good. We have that to celebrate, yeah. um, and uh, it just I don't know if that's something Doctor Rob and your podcast commentated on because apparently they had an unfocused week last week as if they got huffy and puffy over beating a winless Penn State, and then they're they're ready to go torch. 17-point underdog, Illinois, and now this week, oh, well, it's Iowa week. We're going to, you know, we're going to have the best practices we've ever had. This, this has been, this could, I don't know when it, I don't know exactly when the breaking point started, Travis, but this is, this is getting to be a tiring tune of Husker football. <laughs> I'm with you, brother. I'm with you. Uh, what did, um, and, I, and I, I can sense from you that's the signal that we got to go. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> hey, I do yep. got to say this though. You are scaring the shit out of me though, because right. because you posted your Harry Canary video on Facebook today, yeah, right? Yeah. You look like you're taking the biggest shit ever. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm sitting there watching this, going, okay. I, I didn't know how to feel. I go, what is this? I go, oh, he's taking a shit. I go, that's what he looks like taking a shit. Now, now all I can see in my mind every time I hear you or talk to you is you doing Harry Canary, and it's you taking a shit. <clears throat> I was expecting, <laughs> I was expecting you flinging feces my way in some form, but not literally about shit. But I would expect nothing less. I don't know what to say to that. I'm just, you know, just trying go to sing a song. And being, okay, you know, go back and ask, you know, ask your, your your husband and go, hey, is this what I look like when I take a shit? I, I, I will. I'll make sure to ask him if that's. What, do, do different? Do people? Do people look differently taking a? Doesn't everybody look the same when they? Take yeah, a I mean, shit? it's like you're pushing a hard one out, man. You were like, I'm like, God damn, John, damn it. Just so it distracted you from the thirty percent off all merchandise that you can buy yeah, until exactly. December thirty first. Exactly. Well, by the way, we did run into. Uh, you were kind enough to have 
uh, and I know you hated it, ha- having Harry Canary on your show in the summer trying to get fans from Iowa who were deprived of uh, I think Iowa some Cubs. went up, though. We, 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 we had, we, I, I ran into a couple of uh, Iowa Cubs fans, at least a couple that were up here, and they tweeted about it. They were excited, and I think it was because they listened to your show. So, uh, you know, you. 99.9% of the people in Des Moines listen to my show, so it's, uh, it's, really, it's really good. <laughs> All right. Thank you for doing this, as always, our annual Huskers-Hawkeyes conversation, and uh, congratulations on all the success on your podcast, on your morning show, and uh, we'll no, that just means I'm I, I I'm overextended credit wise, and I'm a whore, John, is what it means. And so I I do anything for money. I just I get to do fun shit for money. So that's that's the way I look at it. You do, and I'm and uh, more power to you. Congratulations. <laughs> we'll uh, talk again some other time. All right, go Hawks. And you can hear Travis Justice every morning when you're taking a shit, like I do, uh, on KXNO's Morning Rush, KXNO Radio in Des Moines. Also, for Husker fans, the Husker Doc Talk Podcast. That's Husker Doc, D-O-C, Talk Podcast, wherever you find podcasts. Thanks for listening to Nobody's Listening Anyway. For Matt Zimmer and Travis Justice, I'm John Gaskins. We'll talk again next week, and now you can hear that commercial for the Canaries Trav was talking about. Goodbye. Stocking caps are 35% of Canaries. Hoodies and shirts are 35% of all of our ball caps are 35% off. Everything in this pro shop is 35% off. Everybody needs some bird merch to look cool. Everybody needs some bird merch. Everybody needs some bird merch to look cool. Everybody needs some bird merch. Everybody needs some bird merch to look cool. Everybody needs some bird merch. It's all. 35% off. Just go to sfcanaries.shop. Code word, Holiday 35. The deal's good through the end of the year. Go Bird!